Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals, HST, and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder. And today I have Jenna Howman on with me, who is the executive director uh, now of HDO, um, which is the, in case you don't know, it's the group that Matt Ellison uh, founded and has blown up globally um, and has become this amazing resource for the Huntington's disease families. And Jenna just recently joined um, HDO and took over and um, is located in the U.S. I wanted to bring her on, one, to share who she is, but also because um, she helped get me involved in this group, um, this global, amazing global group called HDTAB. And I kind of wanted her to break it down for us about what it is and tell everybody, you know, what goes on with it. So Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren, and, and hello to all of your listeners. This is really exciting to be able to spread the awareness about HDCAB and, and show our support, and just very excited to be here with you. And I'm very excited to have you. Um, so can you start with just telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got to the executive director position with HDO? I recently joined HDO in August from uh, really the brain tumor and brain cancer advocacy world. And while I have not had a personal connection with Huntington's disease, I have a lot of experience with helping people become their best advocates, raising money to support efforts like research, uh, different support groups, initiated different caregiver programs, helped communicate to FDA boards and to Medicare and to pharmaceutical companies about the importance of the need for advocacy and research. And uh, from that, I really found this amazing opportunity at HDO. For those of you who don't know, we're about to celebrate our 10th anniversary in 2022. So for the past 10 years, our team, past, present, and future, just continues to propel our efforts to really provide that essential support, education, and empowerment for young people and families that are impacted by HD. And in the short amount of time that I've been a part of, of so many people's lives and had so many fantastic interactions and introductions to the community, I have been so honored to be embraced and for people to share their experiences because that is really the, truly the, the best way that we can make an impact right now is, is raising that awareness around this disease that is incredibly rare. Well, we are certainly glad to have you, even though you don't have experience with uh, with HD, just brain tumor community, I'm sure is just um, very similar in certain areas. Um, so we're glad to have you with the experience that you have. Um, I think it's, I think especially with the caregiver aspect of it, you know, caring for a loved one who's going through something that um, 
can change mood, can change physicality, can change emotion, behavior. It is, it really does impact and affect the whole family. And so that's, I would say that's where I'm extremely passionate about, especially is helping those caregivers and with HD too, because of, of, uh, the genetic aspect of it, you have caregivers who are who would be at risk themselves, whether they have tested positive or have not chosen to test yet. So it is such a unique ability to help people in a variety of different aspects. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about <clears throat> HDCAB, which is the Huntington's Disease Community Advisory Board. What is it? Well, really, it's a collection of advocates across the globe. It was started by the International Association and uh, the European Association and HBO to bring this really unique group of people together. You have people from every continent, except for Antarctica, because that would be pretty impossible, but every continent who's there to share their stories. And you have caregivers whose children have uh, gone through genetic testing or who have chosen not to, who have lost a spouse. You have people who are at risk. You have people who have tested positive themselves, tested negative, uh, really coming together and sharing their stories. And the hopes of this is to meet with the, the powers that be, mainly pharmaceutical companies and other organizations who really want to understand what HD does. What is it like on the day-to-day life and you have the clinical side of it but these researchers really can get stuck in a lab they are sharing their perspective medically but they don't really understand how the disease can infect, can affect the entire population that it really truly touches and it brings the human quality to it and what's also great about this group of people is that we have the ability to make a huge difference a lot of times there is such a gap in communication between the people who are doing these clinical studies and the population, the community that they are trying to help serve. And more and more, these companies are engaging with advocacy groups because they understand that what they're doing in the lab affects real people. And I don't think it really has been like that for a very long time. And I know we've talked about this, especially in Huntington's disease, you have this population of people who, if they are tested, they go through genetic testing and know that they're positive or who are at risk, who have this length of time before the onset of symptoms that they can be of support to these companies as they are facilitating these research. Um, and so things like, you know, how could they participate in clinical trials pre-symptomatic? How, how do these clinical trials affect them as caregivers? All of these different questions come up and we have the unique ability to be able to share that with these different companies. And I really feel like because of our diversity, because of the powerful stories, because of the inclusivity of this group, we're able to really share what it's like from the the person-to-person -person perspective. Absolutely, and I've got to say, it's um, it is one of the best groups I've ever been a part of. Um, I was just talking about this and how I joined HDCAB and. Um, the purpose was to go on this meeting for PTC therapeutics and it really was just this historic moment of being on on a zoom call seeing all of the faces 
of of people globally um, affected by HD there to advocate with PTC therapeutics and tell their story. And they were all caregivers, um, you know, taking care of their parents and at risk or gene positive or gene negative or actual caregivers. You know, we had, there was somebody who was a caregiver who, who wasn't directly affected. So we had everybody, had absolutely everybody represented and it was amazing. Um, and to see this global effort and to see where we have come in talking to um, a pharmaceutical company and they're asking us questions so they can make their study design better. Um, it was just mind blowing, right? Because it's what, 10 years ago, we didn't have it, right? Like that's not 10 years, you know, more than 10 years ago now, oh my God, you know, testing positive for HD. They told me, oh, you have a death sentence. There's nothing for you. You can't participate in research. You can't do anything. And now we're talking to PC, PC therapeutics about how do you get people, even pre-symptomatic, involved in clinical trials. Um, and asking, you know, they're asking questions about genetic testing. They're asking, they're wanting to hear our stories. It's amazing. Um, and really, the other thing that I really loved about it was just the fact that no matter where people were, we were all, we all had this common theme of what we were dealing with and this overwhelmed feeling and this um, tired and burnt out and wanting to see something change. Um, and so it was really nice because it, I think it really provides us a bit of passion to keep moving forward in a time where we feel like we've been beaten down, um, you know, pandemic, Roche and Genentech halt um, the the clinical trial. Um, you know, you're dealing with the everyday Huntington stuff, and you feel kind of just tired of doing it all. So, mm -hmm. to get on a call with a global community and hear that they're going through it too, and they're trying to stay positive too, you know, you're not alone. So, I, it's a really, really good group of people. Well, I can imagine, especially with how rare HD is, you have those people in your community that you speak to and that you've, you've met, but I feel like there's a comfort in strangers that you just meet for the first time too, to know that, that they're out there, just like you said, going through the, the similar experience, although everybody has a, a different experience, it is that similar thread. And I can imagine that just by not knowing people that there's such a power there too. Well, and it's just like, you're right, different experiences, but like there was a common thread of um, mm -hmm. sleep disturbances, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't talk about the sleep disturbances that much, just like we don't talk about heart issues in HD because we don't realize that that's a huge part of HD. Maybe the researchers do, but we in the community don't. And so to come together and realize that it is a big problem, that helps mm -hmm. us with knowing how to approach um, pharmaceutical companies and FDA and everything as well. So, uh, you know, seriously great group of people. What other types of things other than pharmaceutical companies, you know, are in the works for this group? There's a lot of great partnerships that are beginning to happen. And honestly, we're, we're pretty new. This really came together right as I uh, began at HDO. So I know that we're forming some additional partnerships. Um, 
with with a variety of different companies who are interested in in order to gauge the community. It's still in the works. I don't really want to say too much because um, I know there's still a lot that could happen, but there's even um, additional needs to form global alliances and, and global efforts uh, in combination with other advocacy groups. So I think that there's a lot of exciting things that are going to come down the line with this in the next few months as, as we continue to um, to share information about HDCAB and to get those ad boards set up. And there's a lot of exciting things that's happening in HD research right now, too, and a lot of clinical trials that need that that uh, community input, which is such a which is such a key point of this. And I think one thing too to add on with what we're talking about is is the want for quality of life treatment too. So there are it's, see this in all different types of diseases to where they've had some treatments that can be really challenging for people to upkeep, um, challenging for people to not hurt you know I, 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 there's so many different things associated with those treatments that they're not really taking into effect of what does this do to the patient's quality of life what does this do to the caregiver's quality of life because the caregiver too is such a huge part of these trials uh we had someone who whose um, mom had participated in a clinical trial and of course the patient needs to answer questions but with, with Huntington's disease Sometimes those questions can be really challenging for them to completely understand, or they might not understand that they really are doing certain things that they're asking because they're either trying to mask it or hide it or just not aware of how their, their motion has changed or their behavior has changed or, or things like that. And so it's, it's, a, it's crucial to have the caregiver involved. And I think that was really eye-opening with our first ad board to, um, and to continue to share that story because quality of life, um, real access, all of those types of conversations are so important to have. And it brought up a good point too, in the fact that the, the group of people that are being chosen for clinical trials right now, if they're at that point, then it may be you need to look at pre-symptomatic or earlier in the disease progression because we're not at that point. Um, not only that, but it brought up the question of the need for um, more resources for pre-symptomatic. Um, you know, is being diagnosed at, at you know, an earlier quote-unquote stage possible in order to receive those resources and the fact that the resources would be different in different locations right like where we have our insurance and we can go to a doctor of our choice if i want to go to a neuro site today i can um you know i can get a referral and go it doesn't work like that in other countries you have to have a diagnosis in certain countries to be able to do any of that so those are all these huge questions about not only the research side of things and um, and where pre-symptomatic could be involved more um, in helping design caregivers and helping with design too to make it easier um, and quality of life being a huge thing, but it brings up the clinical side of things as well for quality of life, not only for our patients because there's a huge gap. There's absolutely a huge gap when it comes to our patients and quality of life not only for the patients, but the caregivers. And I mean, the struggle um, as a caregiver to take care of somebody um, 
with Huntington's because you can't get the resources that you need. It is literally fighting tooth and nail and it shouldn't be that way. It should be that I, just like a cancer patient, can go and get the resources that I need through going to my doctor and a social worker, case manager, putting things in. It didn't happen that way for us. And um, it was very hard to get those resources. So that brings on that whole clinical side of things as well. And I just think that um, as HDCAD continues and grows and gets into more things, I think those are issues that are going to come up, um, you know, and, and everybody will start looking at those things. I think, too, one of the, the poignant parts of our first meeting um, was, a, was around genetic testing. You kind of hit on that a little bit. But we really dove into the complexities of that. And of course, there's always a lot of reasons why people choose to wait, never get tested, you know, all of these different components of it. But there were so many personal stories shared that I don't think that they were expecting as far as um, not getting that support pre, during, and post. And that was such a global response, but it was so hard to hear where the support dropped off um, and, and how, how that impacted really in these two cases, young people who one chose not to go through the testing because of the lack of support and resources and someone really found out after they found the results and it was just like an answering machine kind of a message like, hey, you tested positive kind of like you said, we don't have any resources for you. So there is there is such that gap in support needs and around every single aspect of HD that I know there's a lot of great people who are working to change that. Yes, um, that it was a huge, and it is, it's a huge issue. And if you don't have resources available for, for pre-genetic testing, like it's just not gonna, people are gonna struggle, right? I chose to test because it was the right decision for me, but I had to go and find the resources. I didn't have anybody who gave me resources. I literally had to go and find them. And I was struggling every step of the way until I found the National Youth Alliance. And once I found that, they literally saved my life. So it's remembering those things that those of us, <laughs> and, and there are things too now, you know, that when I, when I was in my 20s um, and when I was, you know, 21 even, I said, no, I'm not gonna have kids. Oh, I'm not gonna do this. Oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have the time to go to college. I don't have the time to do all of those things that I would say I regret now because I let Huntington stop me from, mm -hmm. from doing things. Um, and I think, again, that's where resources come in, right? Like pair somebody up who, has the experience of going through that and they've been there and said nope I'm not doing it nope because I'm you know but then you're like you have years to live so don't stop living because of HD um yeah there's a huge lack of resources and a lot of ideas of how we can make it better and um I think HDCAB is going to be um huge in making that happen mm -hmm. um, I think just making the conversation around around HD normalized is step one, because it is, you know, you see this across the globe, but you still see it in the US too, to where depending on where you're located, you may have 
a doctor who's never even seen a patient with HD. Hopefully they've heard of it, but even still, just they don't know how to treat and, and they might not even know how to refer or who to refer that person to. Um, and same thing with social workers and therapists. And, you know, there's a whole line of, of people who should be there to support if it was something that wasn't as rare, but to normalize the conversation and to share it with even people outside of the community is so important. Um, when you look at the big movements over the past 40 years um, in different treatments, like of course, breast cancer is, is, the, is the biggest one that people think of because there was something so common about breast cancer because everyone has a special woman in their life, whether they're a mom, an aunt, a grandma, a sister, a daughter, that they could really rally around this cause and this disease to support it and have active legislature around it and really propel research efforts and advocacy and awareness. And because HD is so rare, and it's not something that people can develop unless it's a part of their genes, their genes, it's not like someone could, could be impacted if they don't already have it as a part of them. And so it's hard for people outside of the community to understand or to be um, as, as intrigued by it because there isn't that common factor in between. And so by sharing these stories and saying like, this is a really tough neurodegenerative disease that impacts the whole community. We have to come together as the general population to support it. That part is so needed. And just by normalizing the conversation around it is normalizing it so other people can understand it and can understand from the outside looking in and then hopefully share that news and then they can share it and really have it be this, um, this extending effect that can really build that awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, you brought up such a good point um, where it, it is, we need to, we need to share those stories. Um, and again, it comes, we're in a tough time too, I think with, being able to share those stories because we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like we are still within a pandemic. You can't really go and, and do the fundraising efforts and everything that you did before and go participate in these um, physical events. Um, a lot of them were canceled. And so we've been very isolated. And so it's very hard now to, to get out there and speak up. And it takes one to start it and to start getting that conversation going outside of the community. Um, just like ALS has, has done their stuff and um, really they've, they've got a big movement, but it started, it didn't start because of their organizations, right? It started because of the people. Same thing, our people have to, to really start to rally and speak up and be loud um, to more than just our community, but outside of it, um, in order to make a difference. Absolutely. And attending those, while the pandemic has made it more challenging to do that in person, it's also given us the gift of international communication and the ability to have things go viral and share stories. And that is absolutely powerful. And I think that while we, of course, miss those one-on-one -on -one interactions in person and giving each other hugs and, and everything like that, um, and having the power of physically being in a room with people, you also do have that ability, like in those meetings we just chatted about, about meeting strangers 
that you probably would never even meet in person because of access and, and international travel and things like that. And um, I can tell you, hopefully this has allowed a little bit of a plug-in. We at HDO are hosting our second annual virtual Congress and it's free to patients and family members. It is exactly what that is. And it's really bringing the community together and sharing stories and having individual chat rooms. And um, it really branches out past maybe your immediate support that you have. And so then you can meet others and to, to create those friendships and bonds. And I feel like even after the pandemic, there's still gonna be some this virtual quality because there is such that power and connection and bringing the overall community together. Yeah, absolutely. And when is that Congress? March 5th and 6th. March 5th and 6th. And it's free to the community. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. Make sure that you guys attend. Um, I am a huge proponent of attending whatever we have available to us, especially HDO stuff. Um, I just really love all of the material that HDO has, um, makes it very easy, something that I will use with my kids um, as they get older and start to understand HD. So um, great platform. And the Congress before was, it really was very nicely done virtually. Um, so I was very happy with it. So yes, attend if you can in March um, to be a virtual event. Um, and what's great too, the sessions will be available on YouTube afterwards as well. Okay. So you can have access to that. You just have to register essentially. So even if you can't physically be there, there's lots of access. Awesome. So let me ask you, in your role so far, has there been a moment that has been just the most memorable so far? I think it was when I was presenting to a group in Canada um, and I got to chat with some of their, their young people and, and just to, to hear their stories and then just to see the chat feed in this group that I hadn't worked with was just so amazing because they were so supportive and um, I always love that because you think of a, a national organization and you have um, people across the nation and they're like, oh, I remember you from the airport and this is this, you know, this is the situation and it's so great to see you and how's your mom and, you know, it is such a small knit community, um, but just to be able to experience that as a guest speaker and get to see the impact of that. And I think too, I mean, there's just been so many, um, getting to meet you. You, Lauren and and learn more about your story and I just I love the personal connections that I've been able to make because that's really anybody who is in a nonprofit role understands that you can't do this without the passion and the connectivity and the want to help the mission and the mission of HDO is just so fantastic and I've really gotten to see that mission being carried forward in a really exciting way. And I think that especially as we gear up for our 2022, which is hard to believe that that's like three weeks away. <laughs> as we gear up for everything that 2022 has, to, has in store for us, I feel like our mission is just gonna be more expanded and more expanded and more expanded. And um, and to be able to really make an impact in the day-to-day in the -day life of caregivers and young people who are facing this disease and, 
Um, I know that while we can't change the circumstances for these individuals, we can hopefully provide that, that power, that support to really propel them um, to take control of such an uncontrollable thing by, by through education and through these resources. Um, and I, I keep using the word advocate, but there, there's big A, little A, or big A, little A, you know, becoming your own advocate, little A, and sharing your story, big A. And so to understand how each of us can do that, I mean, that's just, it's been so amazing to um, get to know the history, all the fantastic work that's been done, and then the exciting things that we have coming up. Well, and I have to say, this all makes me so excited because I was there when Matt um, started coming up with HBO, you know, and I, I remember the conversations and um, just him saying, you know, how he wanted to help young people and to see where it's come to present and where it's going is just makes me so proud. Um, that he has been able to push this um, for us and provide this support. So I love that you are now the executive director and you're coming into this and you're learning about the HD community. And um, I thank you for that. And uh, I thank you for all that you are doing and um, also for introducing me to HD Cab. Um, it's just been it's been very nice so thank you so much that's such a pleasure lauren i mean we're always here to help you and to help anyone in the community and we do so because it's important and i think that hdo is really unique with it with its um arm stretch across the globe to be able to connect people with similar circumstances you know of course and that's just the best the fact that he took his own personal circumstances and passion and turned it into an organization that has helped tens of thousands of people over the past 10 years is, is just amazing and remarkable. So exciting stuff in the future. Lose my mind that it's been 10 years. Um, <laughs> it's just like crazy to me. Um, so we're going to end the show there. I do want to give um, some updates on our shows. So next week, we're not going to have a show uh, since, you know, Christmas and all. Um, but the week of let's see, December 30th, Katie and Katrina are going to be coming on to give a 2021 Help for HD recap um, of the year and the programs that Help for HD has um, done and, um, and all of that. And maybe, hopefully, if I can talk them into it, <laughs> give us a little bit of a heads up as to what we're looking at for 2022. I do know that for 2022, um, we have a high stay in Orlando, Florida, in Orlando, Florida, that is going to be in person um, that is replacing the symposium. So um, I believe the registration is still up on the Help for HD website. So you can go there and take a look and register. It's going to be great also because there is going to be a huge JHD component to it. So JHD families um, can have their own space, have their own speakers. Um, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So please make sure to go to the website and check that out. Um, and until then, I love you guys and take care. Love Talk Radio. 
thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. 